I don't know if you, you, you know, I remember the, uh, the, the, the TV, early morning TV show uh, known as Supermarket Sweep, where, <laughs> you know, you'd, you'd get your trolley and then some people, like, I suppose like the New England equivalent is like going up and finding things that had the big value stickers on them, like the special prizes. But Houston have gone, oh, there's a shelf of beans. Just like, get your arm around it, just shove all the beans <laughs> in the basket. Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views and overreactions to all things NFL. We're deep in the off-season now, so we've got a lot of free agency movements to kind of get through before we even start to look at the draft. So hey, we've got uh, Fitz. Hey. And we got Sean. Hello. And obviously myself here as well. How are you getting on, lads? How is all in Cork? Are you excited to, as of today, be able to travel all around the county? Yeah, well, this one advantage to living in the biggest county in Ireland is we get to go further than anyone else can go. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, there's some nice things to see. We're probably going to go out to West Cork at some point, maybe at the weekend. Very nice. See what's out there. Yeah, yeah. Stretch stretch our legs as far as we, the government allows us to uh, in these trying times. Sean's transformation into a middle-class Cork person is fully complete. <laughs> West Cork for the holidays. Oh, yeah, there you go. Excellent, excellent. What about yourself, uh, Fitz? How's tricks down there? Uh, well, I don't drive, so I probably have less options for uh, heading out the West Car. <laughs> uh, Sean does neither, but he has the the uh, the the. Uh, I have a chauffeur. Yeah. He has uh, a chauffeur. She's, uh, <laughs> you can tell she doesn't listen. So, but no, uh, yeah, like things are fine. You know, it's been a it's been a quiet enough month. You know, Easter came and gone, and all the other stuff, and then, yeah, just uh, you know, we're now. In theory, through the worst of the the lockdown, vaccinations are, should be ramping up. So, hopefully, yeah. the the finish line is in sight. You know, and while we're waiting, we can all just uh, have nostalgia feelings about uh, the last ten years. As reeling in the years, kind of reminds us of all the horrible things that happened uh, around twenty ten. Uh, yeah, December. I didn't get right to watching it yesterday because I was uh, involved in a, uh, a an RPG online. But uh, I've got a recorder in the box. I'm going to be watching it tonight. I believe it opens with man slipping on ice. Which yeah. is a, a nice, light-hearted <laughs> way to start it, um, because I can only imagine, you know, oh, this seems very recent, and it's also in the depth of a recession. Oh, this is grim watching. Um, but yeah, no, it should be should be good fun. Yeah, we've been ground up here, but quite very confusing weather up in Dublin at the moment. Uh, it was scorching hot and sunny, but then also with occasional hailstorms. Uh, that was our weekend, which has been a bit confusing, but we're in. Uh, kind of get ready mode it's my brother's wedding uh this weekend or rather i probably probably just say uh marriage at this point there's only gonna be six people in attendance so it's not really a traditional wedding as such but uh yeah no should be should be good fun looking forward to that uh i had to order a shirt online so i'm hoping it fits um as it, as, as it appears uh lockdown has resulted in me not fitting into uh my suits from two years ago and having to go up a size which is Suboptimal, but you know, I will, I will survive. I it, it plagues us all. I think that particular problem right now. Yeah, yeah. On the on the other side, I did get my new running shoes in today, so I can get back to the running a bit more properly, and <laughs> hopefully mitigate that a bit in the future. Um, we've got a lot of stories to get through, so I suppose we should kick off with the news. 2021 NFL season is going to have 17 games. Who called it? We called it. Uh, one additional cross-conference game per team. A minimum of four games per season are going to be part of the International Series, and this is expected 
to extend beyond just London games. This will be Mexico, London. There's a lot of talk about Germany and Canada and a few others as well. So that'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, like this was always going to be part of the agreement because it was in the CBA agreement from last year, although some players are unhappy. Um NFL signed a new broadcast deal that's going to last till 2033, which I believe is worth like a horrendous amount of money. Uh, yeah. it, it involves like uh, some online providers now getting access to games. Disney are coming into the rotation. Uh, Amazon, I think, yeah, Thursday night football and Monday night football. Uh, and it also swaps some games. Like I think ESPN now get like a week 18 game that is flexible, so they will always have a playoff relevant game and stuff like that. But yeah, basically, we're up to 17 games. It's going to screw with record books. It's going to feel a bit weird. It means that, uh, like, we can never have, you know, seven and nine bullshit anymore. But it's still, I, I, I like it. I like having an extra game. Uh, I'm not as opposed to it as many would be. What do you guys think? Uh, um, I, I think it's, uh, I mean, it's on, It's probably on one level unnecessary. Um, I mean, it's... It's just uh, kind of a money grabbing. I don't think it necessarily on a sporting level, the arguments are too strong in the, the need for it. Um, I suppose it gets rid of the, at least in theory, that the 500 season teams can't finish eight and eight anymore. Although they can, can't finish eight and eight and one, and I'm sure there's more than a few teams will be aiming for that one. I guess I'm s- sort of in favour in the sense that you will have teams having winning seasons or losing seasons, and therefore it's a bit more American um, in that sense. Uh, an extra week of games can't hurt. Um, I mean, increases in injuries, possibly. I mean, you've got a situation now where, where you know, players are playing an extra game every year, and that's going to contribute to things like fatigue uh, and muscle mm. injuries and such like. Um, so, I mean, I don't think it'll make a huge difference, but it is possible on the margins it could be negative in terms of overall game quality. Um, mm. if uh, the season stretches out a bit longer than players' bodies are, are used to. It is important to note as well that this uh, addition of a game does not currently come with the addition of a second bye week as well, so there isn't an extra rest week built in for people. It also means, uh, for those of us who are getting a little bit older, that uh, it will probably start causing some clashes for the old Super Bowl Sunday given it's now going to be the second Sunday in February. So it'll be set up to clash with uh, Valentine's Day uh, at least once every seven years. Uh, so that'll be that'll be fun. That's a, that, that, that's a nice addition. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, 17 is a, a prime number. It doesn't quite feel right as a number, mm. you know. Um, and thus, you know, we all know that the NFL is going to move towards an 18-game situation now under the current cba that's explicitly not going to happen but now that the you know the now that this tide marker has been set it is inevitable that five years from now when the cba comes in and the next sorry 10 years now when the cba negotiations happen again this will be talked about 18 games is is basically going to happen um you know the international series i think it's good to, to to see that i think obviously as you know, NFL fans who are based in Europe, you know, I wouldn't mind going to Germany. It's not that much of a difference than going to yeah. London. And to 2021, they're already planning to bring back the International Series in London. I think Atlanta have already been confirmed as playing in London this year. So uh, obviously looking forward to that, you know, from a selfish kind of point of view. But yeah, like I can understand why the players are annoyed. The NFL is such a hugely attritional league already. An extra game might seem like an addition.
traditional bridge too far. Um, mm-hmm. But with so much money coming in, like the NFL just dominates the most watched broadcast in America and obviously has a growing fan base in the rest of the world. And now you have Disney, who basically own ABC and ESPN, um, coming in and throwing their lot around and getting into the Super Bowl rotation. Yeah, for the NFL, you know, after what was a really tough year with COVID-19, um, suddenly the, the future looks a lot brighter and you know the players will, will suffer obviously with an extra game but they you know due to the CBA negotiations they will have some increase in the amount of money assigned to them as well um, under the cap yeah and I think there might be an, an even greater increase in this number of international games played it's the kind of the rotational cross-conference nature like the the, the because there's no kind of established pattern to the 17th game I would imagine that this is basically where they're going to start gathering up their games to put abroad and stuff like that so um it also and it's it's a lesser talked about element but this is almost certainly the death knell of the london franchise that was talked about for a number of years that if there are just increased number of international games and they can just put a couple a year uh this type of rotational thing will probably be what will happen rather than having a like a transatlantic uh football team no no we we need a globe trotters franchise that's what we need Mm, they can just play the generals. Uh, yeah. James Winston will probably need a job for a while. We can put him on them. Um, so we'll move on to crime and punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Uh, it's been a bumper period for these. Uh, so the big one that everyone's talking about, uh, we discussed Deshaun Watson a number of times and him wanting to get out of Houston Texans. Now it would appear Houston Texans may not want anything to do with Deshaun Watson. 22 civil suits have been filed against him regarding sexual assault and harassment. Criminal charges process is being started with uh, nine women agreeing to be publicly named in order to progress the case. Um, Ashley Silas is one of the public ones at the moment. Uh, Watson's lawyer has denied at all times that these are valid, but there's an awful lot of um, social media stuff doing the rounds, a lot of rumors about proof of settlement offers. Um, A number of sponsors have already pulled from Watson at the moment. The NFL has already had discussions about exempt lists and what they would be able to do in that respect. Um, This initially started as a story of everyone thought it was a bit odd, but no one knew what was happening. Uh, It's now pretty much at the point of either this is, you know, those who want to kind of say, oh, this is some kind of grand scheme or anything like, okay, this is either like the worst kind of conspiracy theory thing in the world to try and get him to stay at Houston or we could probably look at it as being there's 22 civil cases being filed there's a lot more stuff there's a lot of evidence talking around it appears that he just might be a piece of shit um so yeah at the moment I'd say they would they would desperately want to have actually just taken a two second round picks for him and not have to be dealing with this at the moment but uh yeah Deshaun Watson uh not looking very good for him at the moment yeah, like this is a situation where it has kind of slowly but surely gathered pace and gathered additional information and it's it's almost kind of, you know, a drip feed of information that becomes more damning over time. Um, obviously, initially, this was primarily a, a civil situation where the women were looking to sue Deshaun Watson um, for sexual harassment primarily. Um, but as the you know, information has come out and I suppose as some of the scepticism in public was about the fact that it was a civil um, uh, case exclusively um, uh, for a time uh, but that was escalated the criminal charges um, or at least uh, the starting of that process I think that that indicates a degree of severity um, and a degree of, of, of seriousness that mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, now makes this likely to have significant effects on Deshaun Watson um, for the upcoming future, um, both in terms of obviously sponsors have started dropping him and obviously the exempt list, uh, he may, may not play for the 2021 season. Um, so the only one who's come out publicly so far is, is Ashley Solis, who talked about um, basically being forced to uh, touch his uh, genitals after he exposed himself. Um, some of the other, um, I believe, charges have come out relate to him forcing oral sex. Um, and, you know, basically, it kind of ranges from basically that exposure type of thing and then basically being a, a sex pest type thing up to straight up effectively sexual assault and rape in terms of oral sex. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously his lawyers have, have, have maintained throughout this entire process that they strongly deny all charges and they have been very vociferous in that. Perhaps that is part of the reason why uh, you know, the media kind of took this up quite slowly. Um, but there are reports that he has deleted stuff off social media, that there have been settlement offers. I think some messages uh, reportedly may have leaked kind of him somewhat apologizing to one of some of these women afterwards. Um, but, you know, I think you know, as, as we get further in, it kind of feels like his defense has gone from, uh, you know, I didn't do anything to, oh, it wasn't that, I didn't do that type of thing, that serious type of criminal type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so basically all the trends of this in terms of like wh who Deshaun Watson is and in terms of his, you know, uh, in terms of his career are all highly negative right now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's still very early in the process. There's still a lot to happen, um, but uh, it's obviously a very uh, disturbing um, situation to, to uh, have to look at um, for the next, for up to this point and going forward. Yeah, I mean, innocent until proven guilty and all that, but 22 uh, allegations is quite a large number for them all to uh, be uh, false. And so, I mean, it doesn't look very good for him. I mean, I think I think we do have to accept as NFL fans that this is the kind of thing that on the, in kind of very extreme situations can happen. We're talking about a kind of a hyper-masculine sport young men, you know, a sense of virility about them, um, young men with a lot of money and a sense of entitlement perhaps as well, and sometimes, I mean, it's a toxic situation for uh, these kinds of situations to come out. So I, I'm not entirely, well, I mean, I'm surprised, I didn't know much about Watson in terms of his personal life before this, so perhaps I'm surprised in that sense, but I'm not surprised that an NFL player once again has been um, accused of these kinds of things. It's very difficult to know how it can be stopped um, given that there's elements of just, I don't want to call it human nature, but I, it's kind of in that kind of area we're talking about inevitable things happen with young men who have a sense of power about themselves. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not looking very good. I hope the NFL, if the situation turns towards kind of uh, criminal charges and prosecutions. I think I hope the NFL acts as strongly as it should do. Um, it hasn't had a great record in past situations with high-profile quarterbacks mm -hmm. who have been charged with various things. Um, but time has, I mean, the world's moved on an awful lot in the last, say, 10 years. So I would expect them to be a little bit more strong about this. Um, yeah, I just hope justice is done in the end. Yeah. Um, other crime and punishment around the league. New Orleans quarterback Marshawn Lattimore was arrested on possession of a stolen gun charge. He was a passenger in a car with several others 
with occupants who had several other similar charges. And uh, Minnesota quarterback Jeff Gladley was arrested on domestic violence charges. The details suggest it was assault on a woman and he could face up to 10 years in prison. Um, there's also free agent Isaiah Wilson. He had a high-speed car chase and crash, faces felony, reckless driving, reckless conduct, drug possession. Uh, Miami um, obviously released him after he failed to show up after he was traded. And also a former NFL player, Philip Adams, was involved in a mass shooting and uh, suicide. So six dead. His family have donated his brain to CTE research. And they think that it might be to do with mental health struggles in his post-retirement life. Um, so, yeah, pretty grim uh, period so far for the old crime and punishment. New Orleans have lost a 2022 sixth round pick and a 700k fine for breach of COVID-19 protocol uh, procedures. But, um, yeah, like, obviously Marshawn Lattimore is a big element for that New Orleans defense, so they're going to hope that this kind of goes away. On the Jeff Gladney stuff, uh, that seems like a significantly more... um, I don't like... Yeah, yeah, serious. I'm just going to say serious. It is significantly more serious, um, I think, than being caught with a stolen gun. Yeah, like Marshawn Lattimore, like, that there may be criminal charges that there probably is felony charges but uh you know america like you know in most countries having a stolen gun would be a significant issue but it's in usa so like it's it's an issue but it it is a funny thing that in the usa i'm not sure whether it would be like i don't think it's so much that they have a gun but that they stole it from someone else yeah like which is just weird (laughs) yeah and yeah i think you know he has a bunch of other people in the car so i imagine uh this may be a fall guy type situation maybe someone else takes the blame for in totality and he gets a a relative slap on the wrist jeff gladney yeah this is this is a very serious charge that the um reports that came from the the police reports and the court reports to suggest a very serious assault on a uh, former partner and yeah i would be surprised that even even if he somehow does a plea deal or something like that um, and managed to avoid prison time, he will probably be facing a very long suspension um, from the NFL, regardless in his career. May very much be open, given the current context um, mm-hmm. uh, around uh, Me Too, etc. Um, Isaiah Wilson, look, his career is basically over. He, he yeah. doesn't seem to want to play football. He was traded by Tennessee to the Miami for a seven-round pick swap. We talked about last time. And then he gets involved in a basically high-speed chase. Um Whatever's going on with him, I have no idea, but uh, needless to say, I don't see how he could be brought back into the NFL after doing something like this and is probably facing um, some jail time at the very least. I don't know. Philip... This is like it. It do you know what it screams to me. It screams to me like a Richie Incognito style reclamation project in two or three years. Well, we'll see. And, uh, you know, Philip Adams, this is just a truly horrific scenario where he um, shot a number of people. Uh, I believe. If not his home, near his home. Yeah. Um, like six dead people, including like a like a, a work person who was near his home, working at his home. Um, just and then obviously killing himself at the end. Um, and if if this if there is CTE involved, it's just another, you know, uh, damning uh, indictment of, of of you know, uh, the NFL's unwillingness to deal with that issue as soon as they became aware of it, rather than the the, the delaying and etc. That they kind of did until that, and obviously perhaps. To some, to some may still be doing, but uh, yeah, truly a, a tragic situation. And then yeah, the COVID thing we talked about last last time in New Orleans, but uh, yeah, they did end up losing a pick there, so uh, not a not a great time for New Orleans uh, by any stretch. 
No, it doesn't uh, seem like a particularly strong punishment for New Orleans either. I mean, not that they're likely to be an issue going forward, obviously, in terms of COVID nineteen. I'm, I'm trying to remember how does this compare to Oakland got a one million dollar fine, wasn't it? Yeah, I think they and eventually a, had a pick taken away, but it wasn't a high pick. Either. Yeah, sixth or seventh as well. I suppose the thing is that probably a million dollar means more to uh, to 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 uh, the Raiders fact, than it does uh, to New Orleans. In fact, I believe they like the Raiders on appeal managed to get their pick back. Um, Though they fine, I think they still have to pay some of that. Um, so, like, I I definitely get the sense that the NFL with the COVID stuff, uh, if New Orleans appeal this. Even despite how egregious they were and basically just not really giving crap um, that the pick might be reduced to a seven-round pick or, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, as we're about to see in a moment, like for the NFL, they are raring to get back to normal as quickly as possible. 100%, yeah. Controversy Corner, first up, 2021 NFL draft in Cleveland is going to have a large in-house fan presence. Uh, the vaccine program has accelerated in the US and strong signals indicate that NFL XX fans will be back in the stadiums for 2021. There was a couple of documents during the rounds where it definitely read as if they were uh, expecting that entire revenue stream to be back. Um, yeah, so I, I, I suppose there, it's positive, but there's a lot of bre- like individual <laughs> state evidence, breakouts, yeah. isn't there? There's been a lot of evidence that when the NFL have had fans in stadiums that there have been outbreaks subsequent to that. I mean, there's, there's circumstantial, but there is some evidence there. Hmm. I mean, it's this is this is about the vaccine program, right? I mean, the, if all the people invited to the draft are vaccinated and stuff like that, then I guess that's okay. I think I think there were there was talk know. about having to do that or something. Um, although I am I I am knowing that I'm probably getting some of this things up. I know that Buffalo did a full scale check of this for the playoffs because they were trying to see if they did a vaccination program on site or a vaccine passport system, would they be able to bring in additional people for their home playoff game? I imagine it's a similar kind of protocol situation here. But again, I'm just assuming. Yeah, so like, I believe um, for the actual teams, um, if they have people, if they all are vaccinated, they'll be allowed to be in the same room together. But if they don't, then that they'll have to have people off-site again. And some teams will probably continue to have off-site work anyway, regardless. But I don't believe um, that the uh, the fans will all have to be vaccinated. I think it might just be... Uh, it just They're just kind of going, well, America's opening up. We're doing a first, freedom, etc. Um, which is kind of dumb, <laughs> but like if it's allowed, then the NFL will, will probably push the envelope. I think, you know, there is a word just worth pointing out that the NFL will not require players or coaches to take the coronavirus vaccine, um, but that there probably will be restrictions on their ability to participate in OTAs and, and mini camps, etc., um, if they don't don't take the vaccine. So there'll probably be some controversy emerging from that. But for the Cleveland draft, it seems like they're kind of, I think they're going all fully two feet in, basically. And See, actually, when I think it about it, wrong. When I think about it, like, this weekend was WrestleMania, and I was just looking at some of the coverage that was happening in the video. They had, like, that was in the, the Tampa Bay Stadium, and they had over 25,000 people in attendance. Yeah, and the Masters had a, had a pretty significant crowd. Yeah, so it's just they are properly that. just going back to it now. It's called Freedom Boys. You know, we live in an authoritarian <laughs> state over here. Just carry a Ireland. gun, just don't have stolen it off anyone. <laughs> we just respect our elders too much, you know? Get them out of here. 
Yeah. Um, Washington owner Dan Schneider, you know that happy-go-lucky, fun guy who has no terrible stories about him and isn't just a complete piece of shit? Um, yeah, that guy. He has bought out the minority owners, uh, which sounds like something he'd want to do if that meant something different. Um, <laughs> he... he uh, <laughs> basically, all the other owners are unhappy because, you know, he's a massive piece of shit and they don't think we've gone three months without a terrible story about him being racist or sexist or, like, uh, just pretty much every ist that you could be. Um, but yet, they've allowed him to buy out the minority owners, so he's now kind of betting in and he's not going anywhere. This comes after probably three years of speculation that they were going to push him out. So uh, I guess that's not happening. Yeah, and he's. I think it's like nearly a billion uh, dollars involved. So it's obviously not a, a trivial matter, and I'm sure there's debt and stuff involved. So... I think if you're a Washington fan or just a fan of not having people like Dan Snyder involved, it's a, it's a pretty sad day that like his screw ups, his being a bastard probably actually reduced the, the value of the stakes slightly mm. despite the huge tag price because, you know, he, he's made it one of the less enjoyable or less, less attractive franchises through his own incompetence and being a cunt. Um, so, yeah, uh, apparently billionaires... Uh, can get away with lots of things. Uh, I don't know if you if you knew, if you knew that, but uh, wow, this is uh, basically proof of that. You know, hot takes over here. Mm. Uh, Drew Brees is retired after twenty years. Uh, this was kind of expected, I think. Hall of Fame career. Uh, he'll walk in Super Bowl forty four, all time first in yards for the moment. I'm pretty sure Brady's close. Yeah, uh, I will expect to take Brady's. Him. Brady's coming for every record. Yeah, uh, he's so Brady's currently first in completions and yards, second in touchdowns. Um, they they try, kept trying to put a big team together at the back end to try and make those Super Bowl pushes, but they constantly just had the big blowouts in the playoffs to you know the Vikings twice and 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 Tampa Bay, which was a bit of a a wet fart of a game from them this year and stuff. And the Rams. Uh, and the Rams, back yeah. Back P.I. Yeah, a lot of heartbreaking incidents at the end of his career. But, like, look, he, he, obviously, did, he obviously came to New Orleans after a very unfortunate injury early in his career um, and won them a Super Bowl after New Orleans had been a kind of a joke franchise for most of its existence. So he'll be ever loved uh, down there in, in the bayou. So, you know, that, that win, obviously they'd love to have added to it and they certainly had the talent to do so after a couple of really successful drafts and the numbers are just incredibly impressive even if Tom Brady will come for every one of them mm -hmm. um, and yeah Drew Brees he will go easily get into the Hall of Fame in five years time after 20 seasons of spectacular football and he really was kind of the you know the, the vanguard of, of the complete revolution of, of, of offensive football in the NFL he basically normalized stuff like 5,000 yard seasons um, which I suppose will become more normal with 17 games mm -hmm. uh, and he truly was a uh, uh, a truly impressive one, especially given those early uh, season, early career issues that he had to deal with. Wasn't that like a, a recurring thing of that, like you know, when five thousand yard seasons were becoming a thing, there was like there have been seven five thousand yard seasons, five of which are Drew Brees, like something along those lines of just how ridiculous yeah. he was as the outlier on the start of that. Yeah, and obviously, like similar to the Brady and Belichick. Uh, obviously, a lot of it's associated between that like mind meld that he had with Sean Payton, but. Mm -hmm. uh, even even accepting that it's it you know these numbers are were truly you know out of the out of this world you know he he truly spectacular career that that defined redefined what we can expect from offensive football
Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth noting, uh, and you compare him to people like Brady and people will talk about, well, he's only won one Super Bowl, but I mean, that more speaks to the fact that he was playing with some pretty mediocre Saints teams down through the years. It wasn't until kind of post their Super Bowl win that they kind of became a regular contender. And for him to put up those numbers while playing maybe half of his career with, with teams who weren't competing at the top end, I mean, that just speaks even more to, to how good he was. Um, as a player, and uh, the Saints will definitely miss him, and it's going to be difficult transition for them in the coming years to to find uh, an, another quarterback of that kind of talent to build around. Mm. Um, as you mentioned, there is tied quite closely to uh, Sean Payton. Uh, it's been confirmed by Netflix that uh, Kevin James uh, of Paul Blart Mall Cop fame is going to play Sean Payton in a film chronicling Payton's year-long suspension due to Bounty Gate. Um, so obviously there is uh, rumors abound that Adam Sandler is going to play Drew Brees, but I can we can only live in hope. Uh, that would be pretty fantastic. Um, but yeah, very good career for for him. Uh, there was a lump of proposed NFL rule changes. We'll kind of keep you updated when we hear about which ones come through. But selection of them, greater prohibition of draw of below the waist blocks, add an eye in the sky official kind of like what you have in rugby for for, 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 for checking, uh, expand jersey numbers so that you can basically choose whatever jersey number you want, onside kick reform and overtime reform. Um, a lot of these happen pretty much every year. Uh, it, it varies how much they want to allow in. I'd expect if there's any that have big, strong player support, they might get one of those over the line as a kind of a... a gimme for the 17 game season elements that were annoying people but yeah uh but we'll keep you up to date on those uh, non-free agent transactions a few bits of things that are around the uh league we had a massive uh selection of trades happen so san francisco traded the 12th overall pick uh 2021 third 2022 first and a 2023rd first to miami for the third overall pick um so san francisco obviously bet in the house on picking up someone who they see everyone expects it to be a quarterback it's an awful lot of picks to be giving away to not pick a quarterback but they still maintain that jimmy g is the starter for the moment so maybe it's a two-year play but it's an awful lot to be giving up miami then turned around and took that 12th overall pick and traded it for the fourth overall pick uh and uh 2022 first for the sixth overall pick and a 2021st fifth um, so yeah, basically a complete clusterfuck, but Miami now own a million picks in the draft. San Francisco are lining up to take a quarterback and, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty much where we are on that one. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's interesting. It, the thing that interests me about this was this has to be a considered decision from San Francisco because they could have waited until closer to the draft to make that decision. But the fact that Miami are able to immediately turn around to Philadelphia and make this trade tells me that these negotiations have been going on on a kind of contingent basis for quite some time. Yeah, I, I think that, that pretty much tells you that Miami um, were getting a lot of calls and probably San Francisco were feeling the heat. Um, and obviously, remember, this isn't Miami's uh, original pick. This is uh, the Texans' uh, pick. Um, that's, so it's all gravy for them. Um, and yeah, like San Francisco have confirmed that they're going for a quarterback. They've obviously decided that there's three quarterbacks that they think are good enough, or at least that the quarterback they like is you know probably going to be at number three. Um, by all accounts, as we'll talk about in the next podcast, you know the first two are now kind of 
becoming more certain. And mm-hmm. then this third overall pick then is the best of the rest. Mac Jones, um, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. Mac Jones is the <laughs> big report. So everyone's saying Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones, as you say. Um, but of course, the uh, draft cognoscenti are like, Mac Jones isn't the third best quarterback. Yeah, Justin so, Fields or one of those guys, right? Sure. Yeah, Trey Lance is Trey the Lance, one. Trey Lance, yeah. Um, but, you know, you know, that you know, people are kind of going, look, well, look, he would fit the Shanahan type system. He's a great distributor of the ball, you know, a kind of point guard type of quarterback, um, but obviously lacks the physical tools and upside of those other two guys. Um, so there's a lot of maybe perhaps skullduggery going on, or maybe mm-hmm. it is just as simple as they wanted Mac Jones and they knew a team like Carolina or a team like New England um, would, uh, you know, eat, would either pick them before them at 12 uh, or is, was looking to vault up the tree or four or similar to get their quarterback that they really wanted. So, and there is probably yeah, an, there is probably an element of the um, the Deshaun Watson stuff in that I would have imagined that San Francisco were looking at that, possibly the Carolinas and stuff were looking at him as a potential trade. That now that that uh, everything is going on with that, that avenue is either shut or it's not something they can deal with at the moment. So it's uh, it's suddenly pumped up the the where maybe they wanted to. To trade to pick up an established entity. Now they have to go draft more so than they did before. Yeah, I think the, the desperation of the other teams was certainly increased, which is probably why, you know, Miami quickly got an offer that they, they couldn't refuse as well to some extent. The fact that Miami came back up to six probably means that they're looking at one of the top uh, receiver or receiver slash tight end, uh, one tight end in particular we'll talk about next time, yeah, yeah. Um, or perhaps a top offensive line talent. But at six, they should have the pick of a really talented player. Uh, they obviously felt that there, there might be a drop-off once you get past the top ten. Mm. Um, but overall, you know, you know, the, the last few teams remaining without a quarterback, were, uh, you know, they're, they're getting pretty desperate, as we'll talk about in the uh, so a big trade that happened in terms of a quarterback already. But uh, for San Francisco, very intriguing for a team that's built to win right, right now to make this move. And obviously Jimmy G is the starter for now, but uh, whoever they pick, there's going to be a camp battle and the, the rookie is going to get a fair shot, you imagine. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't really get over just how cheap the trade up six places was for Miami. It was basically like swap their picks and then swap around in twenty twenty one. Like it was. Well, they have to give up the first next year, but I think they have a, another one as well. Yeah, they have an extra one, I think, in the bag already. But yeah, fair enough. Um, notable cuts: uh, Cincinnati cut Geno Atkins. Uh, he will probably find a job somewhere. I don't know what his market will look like though. Um, yeah, he, he looked a bit spent last year, but yeah. the name... But to be fair, like, if you were on the defense for that Cincinnati team last year, you would be fucking wrecked by about game nine. Um, notable extensions, uh, Tampa Bay have decided to lean into, um, I think it was the Chiefs mantra from last year, run it back, where they returned 21 out of 22 starters. Uh, Tampa Bay are now returning 22 out of 22 starters. Um, Shaq Barrett is re-signed, four years, 72 million, 36 million guaranteed. Uh, Donovan Smith, their tackle, two years, 32 million. Uh, Sue, one year, 9 million. Gronk, one year, 8 million. Leonard Fournette, one year, 3.25 million. I think the only name that's not on the list currently is Bell, and he was their fourth receiver, so, you know, it's not all that important. They may even draft to replace him in the first round. Um, so really just thinking let's keep this together and let's go for another year and to be fair they were rolling by the tail end of last season so that I, I i kind of like it i do think that like they are the kind of team that if tom hits that seeing or whatever they could just drop off a cliff but i suppose you just you can't plan for that you just drive until the wheels fall off like yeah i mean i, I think you can't 
the, yeah, the Brady thing is so unpredictable, and they know this team can win a Super Bowl, and I think they don't really know how else they would go about winning a Super Bowl other than trying to sign all these players and hoping that lightning strikes again twice. I mean, mm-hmm. I think maybe a little bit unlikely, given all these players are going to be one year advanced, um, and certainly Tom Brady is, uh, as you say, liable to, to fall off a cliff in terms of his ability at some point soon, but God knows. Yeah, we've been saying that for about five years, years, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it definitely seems like if it's not broke, don't fix it approach from the books. But uh, I wouldn't be 100% uh, believer that they will actually be able to pull it off again next year. Yeah. Uh, San Francisco signed offensive tackle Trent Williams. Six years, 130.01 million, if I remember correctly. <laughs> uh, yeah. He wanted the extra 100,000 so he could make sure he was the highest paid of all time. Uh, they also signed Alex Mack. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, fullback Kyle Juszczyk, five years, twenty-four million, and Jason Verrett, one year, nine million. Um, so San Francisco gets to keep their tackle, uh, who played exceptionally well for them. They get to hold on to Kyle Juszczyk, paying him a big contract, but he is a good part, big part of their scheme and fits it very well. Um, San Francisco again, like these type of moves, interesting given the clear plan to go and draft a quarterback uh, up top. Um, I suppose the, the the having the tackle in place is good, but like they must just expect a kind of a plug and play type situation. Yeah, like they they are basically running it back now. They're obviously two years removed from the uh, Super Bowl, but obviously they they believe they are a Super Bowl quality team, and it just happened to be that that injuries kind of hampered them, mm-hmm. and thus they they just want to bring back what works. Um, except perhaps the quarterback position, of course. Um, and Trent Williams obviously was the was the crown jewel of the free agency class mm-hmm. and apparently there was aggressive interest from teams including your chiefs yeah. um but uh, you know he obviously like like trent williams he has a relationship with shannon from the time that they were in washington together they obviously get on quite well um and obviously they were offering the most money of any offensive tackle uh, so there's no reason to to move from the sunny climbs of santa clara so that was a huge get for san francisco basically means they don't have to worry about that and then they get kyle Ujek, kind of yeah they're they're kind of foundation fullback kind of slash you know do everything guy and then they they signed jason verrett and a number of other of their kind of solid uh cornerbacks and defensive backs so yeah for san francisco it's about continuity except perhaps at that most important mm-hmm. position and obviously uh their their defensive coordinator is now gone so presumably they want to just try and keep as much of the scheme in place as they had before yeah i think i think they, they they'll go from within in terms of like uh, yeah what they're trying to do there yeah and your and signed james winston to a one-year 12 million dollar contract uh clearly the backup because uh his his, his colleague <laughs> in the qb room is on a five-year 600 million dollar contract um but yeah hopefully james can do something uh he did get to throw a playoff touchdown with them last year denver have locked up some defensive pieces justin simmons four years 61 million uh, shelby harris three years 27 million and kareem jackson one year we're not exactly clear um solid move from them but denver still need to sort out the quarterback position uh Buffalo get Matt Milano. He was good. Good to hold on to him. Aaron Jones resigns with Green Bay. Leonard Williams uh, signs with the Giants. And uh, New England, uh, they decide to run it back. Uh, <laughs> uh, QB Cam Newton. Relive the year. seven and nine. Yeah, yeah. One year, five million base, up to 14 million in incentives. They also have David Ake, Andrews at center, uh, James White at running back. Um, yeah, so like we'll, we'll, we'll talk about new england's moves a little bit more uh, on our free agency review because they <laughs> made a lot of moves but um 
of all the other transactions, because there is a lot of people who've been moving around, uh, is there anything that jumps out at you? Any teams you think have kind of done anything major that we're not going to be discussing later on? Like, we're like Houston have signed about twenty-five million people, but we'll be talking about them in a bit. Uh, like, Chiefs haven't done a ton. Seahawks. Uh, it's been a bit confusing, but look in terms of these extensions, like James Winston, he'll be given a chance to get that starting position. I think if he does start, it'll make the New Orleans more fun, in my opinion. Um, mm. I don't know if it'll make them better, but it'll be more fun. And then Leonard Williams, like uh, you know, it's not a, you know, he 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 took he got traded. He had that chance to prove himself. He did it, and he's getting paid a crap ton of money. So fair yeah. play to him. And Aaron Jones, I just think it's a solid signing. I think. Green Bay, given where they are with, with Aaron Rodgers, I didn't think it made sense to start from scratch there. He's an incredibly so talented it, running but back. It, it makes Just, a draft last year look even more stupid. Like I know, but like if if <laughs> if, if you, you just use the draft as some motivational technique, then if you're going to do that, you might as well do it as successfully as they did. It Aaron almost worked and Aaron Rodgers worked. kicked butt for most of the season. Yeah, he did. I suppose rather than go and piecemeal through the rest of these, uh, will we just swing on to our free agency uh, review? Yeah, go on. Yeah, let's go. Okie doke. So I suppose free agency review, uh, what we'll do is we'll look at kind of two or three of the teams that have made the biggest amount of movements, and then we'll maybe go back through the positions, see who's left as the best players available if your team are after that kind of person. So first up, I suppose, it's the boys we just said are going to run it back, New England. Uh they decided in a very un-New England way to just run at free agency real quick and hit it hard. Um, so they started off by citing uh, Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry. So they're bringing back the two tight end sets. Uh, Nelson Aguilar, who they're paying quite a lot of money to. Kendrick Bourne, who's also quite a lot of money gone to. And Cam Newton coming back on a one-year deal. So they've decided to kind of... I suppose they weren't getting the production out of the wide receivers. They've brought in some. I think they're massively overpaying for a few of these guys. Uh, they lost Thune and Cannon, uh, but they brought back Trent Brown, uh, Ted Caracas, David Andrews. They have a couple of nice veterans in there. Matt Judon was a nice pickup. Calvin Noyes there and uh, Jalen Mills. Like it was, it was interesting. They've got they've gotten an awful lot of stick for some of this. I like what they've done with the offensive line of bringing in a couple of extra pieces to make up for what they've lost. I like the adding of like Matt Judon and stuff like that. And I know they've got a lot of players who had opted out last season who will be coming back and will assist. But with the money that was being spent on it, I'm not sure I've been looking at Hunter Henry, Johnny Smith, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and going, oh boy, like these guys, these are, this, this is the offense to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, it's... <clears throat> I really am not 100% sure about how to think about this because it's very un-New England. This is, this feels like if this was any other team and this wasn't kind of Belichick making moves, you would think this was a panic, right? This was a big team mm. who'd had a bad season and now they panic bought and it's probably not going to work out. I have a little bit more faith, obviously, 20 years of you know endless success has kind of given me a, a sense that maybe the man knows what he's doing, um, but I'm... Uh, yeah, I want to see how this works before I, I fully get behind it as a thing. Um, I agree with you. I think the the interesting, the really good ones are the the, the below the headline. Obviously, the, the tight ends and wide receivers and bringing back Cam is the headline, but it's the ones that are below that that are really interesting. The, the holding on to some good members of the offensive line, the bringing in of some good defensive veterans, Judon in particular, I'm, I'm very excited mm. about. 
it'll be interesting to see how the defense comes back together next year. Obviously, it was hurt very badly by all the opt-outs, so it's kind of hard to know at all where that uh, defensive unit will be at, but I think it will be a significant improvement uh, on last year. Um, the big question then is how is this offense going to work and is this idea um, of bringing in all these high-profile players uh, the best way to go about it? Firstly, I will say absolutely 100% they needed upgrades. The, the receiver core has, has basically non-existent for the last yeah. two years so did you, didn't you uh, lose like uh you basically lost a, like a fourth round compensation pick because one of these like no namers you brought in played 90 percent of the snaps last year <laughs> yeah i mean i i outside of Nikhil harry i actually can't remember who our receiving core was at this point that was how <laughs> much they imprinted themselves uh, on my mind um Aguilar, i think is being overpaid i'm not at all convinced of him i would have liked to see better wide receiver uh, pickups obviously someone like kenny galladay would have been very good but he, he went elsewhere the really interesting thing though is these two tight ends henry and smith they're the two big names and they're very talented and it suggests itself that we're going to go back to the two tight end set set of 10 years ago I'm a little bit more skeptical about it. It, it, it. I don't think it'll be a, a complete run back. Obviously, Balachik, I think, has some mm. evolution in mind, but it is likely to be some variant of the two tight end set. I mean, the question, of course, is in terms of replicating the, the Gronk and Hernandez thing, is which one of these guys is going to end up being the party animal and which one is going to end up being the mass murderer? Um, but um, That's true. Uh, it's... Uh, it's an interesting thing going forward, and I, and I find it exciting. I'm, the Cam thing, I've, I've obviously have talked about this in the previous uh, pods. Uh, I'm not sold on Cam. I don't think he fits into the uh, offensive scheme very well. I don't think no. the Pats really know what to do with him. Um, it's possible they're bringing him in as a kind of a, a veteran just to make sure that we do have a starting quarterback, and then they might try and draft someone. What's well, um, it like? Because he's costing very little. Like, he's... On, like yeah. yes, yes. If he hits all his incentives and everything, but that's going to include like playing ninety percent of the snaps, getting to the Super Bowl. Like you know, four or five million yeah, for a backup quarterback is fine. It's five million for a guy who, at his very best, is an exciting quarterback. Even though he's probably five years past his peak at this stage. Mm-hmm. If they're also bringing in a quarterback at, in the draft and they need to kind of give him a few weeks to get used to the system and. Mm-hmm. To allow the Pats to still be competitive, maybe while they try and and bring in uh, a, a good quarterback, it's an interesting way to go about it. Uh, I it obviously suggests that they couldn't get anyone better. I mean, it seems that maybe people like Jimmy G, for example, who there were some rumors about, probably isn't going to come in now, and it suggests that they've closed the door on upgrading and have decided that it's going to work. It's a it's a it's another year of experience. They will have a year of experience working together, so they may understand each other a little bit better. Um, but as with the acquisitions in terms of tight end and wide receiver, it's, I'd like, I need to see how this works. I'm still not 100% convinced it really could go quite badly, um, but I, I choose to believe that it would be better. Um, the division is obviously a lot tougher than it was for the past uh, 20 years <laughs> now that the Bills are an actual very good team. So they're in a bit of a struggle to win to win the division. I don't know if this is the... The thing I don't know if these players are the step up that the Pats need to get to the the Bills level, and so we're probably fighting for a, a wild card spot um, at least this year um, until things uh, develop even further down the line. Yeah, 
it'll be an interesting move to like I said like I, I agree with you. I think it is like you can see telegraphed here that like they are definitely getting a QB in the draft uh, it's just a matter of whether it's a guy in the first round or the second round I think at this point uh, and how it falls and I could well see them try to move around in the draft if, uh, if, 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 if things fall correctly for them like yeah, say for example I mean, the early rumors were that they were going to go for Mac Jones, but now that his his name is kind of his mm-hmm. reputation has kind of exploded and looks like he's going to be going in the top five, maybe then I don't think they're going to be able to get that high in the draft. So yeah. whoever their second choice QB is is probably who they're looking at right now. Yeah, um, but it'll be interesting to see. Houston have done a similar-ish type thing, but I suppose Houston have for the last about ten years been kind of the uh, the 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 Patriots light um, they gone bargain shopping and they're overhauling the roster they had thir- about 30 free agent signings and trades um, reclamation special teamers young talent um, so the GM Casario was doing this with you know you know Bill O'Brien left them with almost nothing in the war chest, so they don't have many picks so it's going to be tough going and then compound that with the fact that they aren't going to get anything for their quarterback uh if it is a spot where that quarterback is guilty and in that case they also need a quarterback um they do have a like kind of franchise level left tackle but they have no one for him to protect currently um their big moves are adding things like philip Lindsay, mark Ingram. i can't like i never understood why the broncos didn't appreciate philip Lindsay. he's a very good run running back uh, I just was never given the role there. Uh, offensive line: Marcus Cannon, Justin Britt, Justin McRae, uh, DBs: Desmond King, Terrence Mitchell, Terrence Brooks. Uh, they brought in Tyrod and they brought in Ryan Finley, um, which means Tyrod is at the moment the Pencilton starter, which is very, very bad. Um, grim, grim. Yeah, pretty fucking grim. <laughs> um, yeah, right. and like and, and like I said, they don't have the capital to go and trade for anyone they don't have the early picks to be able to get replacement levels like honest to god this is an this is a team who i think if stuff isn't going well at the quarterback position i think they will need to uh they'll need to trade laramie tunsil because he's the only piece they have that has any trade value and try and actually start a rebuild because there's no point in having a franchise left tackle even if they paid a lot for him if there's no one for him to protect like yeah, like 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 the three players that kind of made them somewhat watchable last year. Well, four, I suppose. Like they they had JJ Watt. He's gone. Will Fuller. He's now gone. Uh, Deshaun Watson. We've already discussed that he he's in, in a lot of trouble. And like to be honest, the way that they've chosen to respond, like I don't know if you you know, I remember the, uh, the 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 TV early morning TV show uh, known as Supermarket Sweep, where <laughs> you know you you get your trolley. And then some people, like, I suppose, like, the New England equivalent is, like, going up and finding things that had the big value stickers on them, like the special prizes. But Houston have gone, oh, there's a shelf of beans. Just, like, get your arm around it, just shove all the beans <laughs> in the basket. And they just, they're just, like, get those young guys and those reclamation guys and those retired guys, just get them all in. So you get your young, young Philip Lindsay, you get your old Mark Ingram, you trade for Marcus Cannon from New England, you get Justin Britt, who's been retired for a year, Justin McRae, a failed first-round pick from Atlanta, 
Desmond King's been around a while and he's a solid special teamer. You know, a couple of veterans like Mitchell and of course, you know, a QB. It's like, oh, to Rod Taylor, the ultimate stand-in guy, I'm just waiting to be replaced. They also traded for like people like Shaq, Shaq Lawson by getting rid of Bernardrick mm. McKinney. Um, and yeah, it's just like, like this level of overall isn't unprecedented, but it is relatively rare. Like, uh, like the one that strikes to me is mine obviously as a Seahawks fan is that when Pete Carroll came in originally they basically turned over that roster twice over effectively but mm. of course that was successful because the, the the actual drafts that they had around that time were also very successful whereas trying to do it exclusively through this kind of bargain shopping and free agency without having those picks just to me seems like a, a bit of a, a lost uh, bit, you know basically tilting at windmills to a certain extent but like look Casario you know the one advantage he has is that if they completely bomb this year if they literally if they went zero and 17 i don't think anyone's going to blame him because it's likely that's because you know deshaun watson isn't playing because of the stuff that he did and in fact this roster is a complete mess and that bill o'brien is a terrible terrible gm um and the head coach can always be fired just cause um so yeah houston like you know this is a great opportunity for players who are looking to have a shop window um, to either get re-upped by this team at some later point or to go to other teams um, but as an overall coherent project um, yeah I'm not sure this whole thing is going to come together um, but yeah hopefully people like Philip Lindsay and Justin Britton stuff can kind of take the next step in their career and kind of do some stuff I think they also re up David Johnson so the running back thing alone is just kind of uh, fine just try stuff see what works and then hopefully next year when you've cleared stuff up you, you have you know found some pieces that can be part of the reclamation project uh, that will be the Texans for the next few years so it's just funny I'm just I was just thinking about like who they have in their division <laughs> I was just going like like this was at one point they're kind of like the, the sneaky insiders pick for like you know toughest division to call and now you've got a Carson Wentz led Colts team a non-entity in this Jags which will be picking a lot of new pieces but like you know are still going to be rookies for most of their big positions and then Titans who have been very good but presumably are also going to be you know uh there's not great statistics uh, although King Henry keeps keeps uh you know tricking everyone like great statistics for ones who have back-to-back 400 rush seasons and then <laughs> you know like, normally it's not good after one of those let alone two um yeah god it's uh because I think like, it's kind of up in the air that division it's a pity that they're kind of made such a balls of it Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, worth keeping in mind where 15 months ago this team was about to win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl, if not for a historic comeback by the Chiefs. Like, it's amazing yeah, yeah. how far this franchise has fallen in, in that short of time. I mean, yeah. looking at this, I'd almost be half inclined to think that they deliberately tanking in order to try and get number one pick next year because. But they don't own their no number one pick next year. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's but they'll have, they'll have other picks. Like I think they're literally down, like I only the Seahawks might have less picks than them this year. <laughs> it's it's pretty grim. <laughs> they're like, they've grim traded everything the away. There's nothing. That's what I mean. Like they have, they're gonna have to shift. Um, because Larry Tunsil, is there anyone else in the roster worth moving for? Like Tunsil, I could see the Chiefs would take Tunsil off their hands, like without a question. Oh yeah. Um, like I think they would probably quite happily give up their first round pick or a second round pick or something like that or give them two thirds and whatever it's, like, it's not a talented roster there's not much to like unless you want to try and like trade Brandon Cooks for like the fourth time with you know, ever, <laughs> ever reducing uh, results like Whitney Merciless I suppose has a bit of name value but yeah, I still would consider him to be uh, anything like, like that great 
yeah. and then like like Zach Cunningham's like an okay like uh, yeah yeah he was on the Rams beforehand wasn't he? No no he he was drafted by them but like look oh, like, was he out? Uh, like like there there there's Tunsil as an actual trade item and then maybe Whip Merciless is kind of like a if you want a mid round pick you yeah. might get something from still. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's, it's tough times down in uh, Houston. Um, maybe this team is just planning to move. <laughs> well, they can move off. to San Antonio. It's just down the road, right? But yeah. Speaking. <laughs> um, finally, Vegas are up um, after yeah. the big break. Go ahead. I just wanted to make sure you could uh, have an opportunity to shit on a, a division rival in <laughs> Vegas are, are, are worth at this time. Yeah, like after after the big brain move of giving a 10-year fully guaranteed contract to uh, Chucky, uh, they're three seasons into their rebuild and now they have to rebuild again. Um, strength of this team was the offensive line, so big brain move. Let's get rid of the entire offensive line and start fresh on that. Uh, Trent Brown's gone, Rodney Hudson's gone, Gabe Jackson's gone. They've added Nick Martin, uh, the brought back Incognito, uh, Miller, good. Um, yeah, it's just it, it just baffles the mind. Like Hudson was one of the top graded centers. They have got, Brown was playing well, although he was massively overpaid. Like that's the thing, he's now with the with New England, isn't he? And like yeah. they're still they've they've paid his signing bonus. Like basically, New England got him back after a one year rental abroad, and the rental has just paid for a big chunk of the salary that they'd be having for him. Um, That's like, kind of a subtext for a lot of the New England, like like the lesser ones, like Ted Karras and Trent Brown and Kyle Von Noy, like a little little holiday away from them, and then they kind of come back with the with the signing bonus in tow back to New England to to play with Bill again. But uh, yeah. yeah, for 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 Vegas, this. You know that th- th- there's no coherency uh, or potential conspiracy of any type here. It just looks dumb. Yeah, like Vegas have been accused of, you know, not getting the defensive right. So what they've done is again just pick up a load of random veterans and hope that's going to fix things. So Yannick Ngakwe is there, who is okay, I suppose. Uh, Kenyon Drake for no apparent reason because they've got Josh Jacobs. Um, I like. Uh, John Brown pickup, I think that's probably good. Um, John Brown, actually, I would have thought would have been more of a, a Patriots shout to add to that wide receiver core. Um, Solomon Thomas, like, okay. Quentin Jefferson, okay. Like, it seems to just be throw shit at the wall and hope something sticks, which has basically been their first round draft picks for the last while. They've got, what, four first round draft picks gone onto the defensive side of the ball and almost none of them performing? Yeah, and I think they actually brought back Carl Joseph, I think, is like their latest signing, who was a former first-round pick from the last uh, regime. Wow, um, so, yeah, stuff. it's all, it's just like, uh, you know, circles inside circles. And, yeah, the defense is, you know, they've invested, like, very high picks in people like Cleland Farrell, but uh, an Arden Key, and, yeah, but, like, let's bring in Solomon Thomas, why not? And, give it, and Max Crosby was great for them last year, so I'm not quite sure what the plan is here. I think that's basically the point, like, you know, they, they got rid of their offensive line, as you mentioned, but they also, like, two of the bigger wider, like, bigger free agents they signed at the beginning of this regime, uh, LaMarcus Joyner and Tyrell Williams, also left the team this mm. uh, off-season. And, of course, it's a team that has, you know, flattered to deceive over multiple years now where they've had moments where they look like they might have been turning the corner, um, often to just have late-season spectacular collapses that are, I'm sure, ultimately terribly hilarious for you as a Chiefs fan, Connor. Um, So, look, it just kind of feels like this is a case where, you know, there's not really any accountability, certainly not for John Gruden. He's just locked in there with his super contract. Knock on wood. 
and now they're just kind of re-upping the same like you know the, the same story that they did when they first came in now eventually you imagine that if pressure's going to come it's going to come on the uh, raiders gm uh, the uh, the eponymous Mr. Mike Mayock, uh, maybe mm. he should be, uh, you know, doing his draft analysis not only for uh, his own team but perhaps uh, for future, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> going back to media work. But yeah, for this team, it just kind of feels like they're they're treading water. Uh, and it, to be honest, this Las Vegas team, these moves, their current status, it just reminds me of the Jeff Fisher Rams. That's kind of where they feel right yeah. now. And yeah, I don't that's see a good comparison actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I just, I just don't see what the plan is. And look, a hundred percent, they could just, they could come out and surprise us and do something in the draft that makes sense and go, you know what? Actually, that'll tie it together well. But I just, I just cannot possibly see what that could be. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Um, we'll swing through a couple of the position by position just to see what's out there. So we kind of talked in our preview about who was up and around. Um, so the top three are already got, well, actually top five, I think are already got, uh, Darnold was traded to Carolina. Dalton is now in Chicago on a one year, 10 million deal expected to be the starter. If it's magic is now in Washington, one year, 10 million deal, uh, camp favorite to be the starter. Uh, Tyrod's in Houston. Mitch titties is in Buffalo. Um, out of the players that are left around, oh, so Flacco's now in Philly, but yeah, I, I don't know why anyone is hiring Joe Flacco at this point. Um, <laughs> it feels like, like one of those moves that shouldn't mean anything, but I'm just like, because Philly have been such a mess, and I'm like, oh, that's not going to like turn into a thing, is they're it? They're going to make a thing out of it. Um, <laughs> we, your be, your he best will be starting week 10. By week 10, he will be starting. <laughs> yeah, and then by week 11, they'll have found someone else. <laughs> he is, oh, best players available. If you're looking for a quarterback fucking draft one because you can either well you can trade for jimmy g uh you can trade for teddy bridgewater uh why anyone would trade for teddy bridgewater is beyond me and uh alex smith is out there's a free agent who will be good to help coach someone up but can't play for very much anymore um yeah quarterback i think the free agent section is really done on that right yeah but like you know three big moves here three uh probably favorites to be starters right now whether that's a good thing or not for the teams where we're involved is, is, is another question, but these are currently the favourites, like Sam Darnold traded to uh, from the Jets, uh, and the Jets got a sixth, uh, a second, and a fourth next year. Um, so not a huge amount, really, to Carolina invested. And obviously Carolina were the one associated with Deshaun Watson the most strongly. Obviously that's gone up in uh, smoke for now, and it seems like this is kind of a, just a hedge you know, Teddy Bridgewater has been told he can get a trade, but if I'm Teddy Bridgewater and I'm going ranking the quarterbacks on all 32 teams right now that I can compete for a starting job with, like there's maybe like one, maybe two other teams that I would pref- like feel worse about being on. Uh, like, you know, basically that, that I would feel like I have a, a worse chance of like doing so. Sam Darnold has been bad. Um, yeah. Like maybe like Drew Locke is the only one I would feel like I have a better chance of beating out just because, you know, you haven't traded for Drew Locke here. So mm. Sam Darnold, look, it, it's, you know, his tape is bad. It, everything was awful there. And you just, if you're a Sam Darnold believer, you just have to go. The only reason to believe in Sam Darnold is Adam Gase exists and he sucks the life force out of every offensive weapon that he has except for um, the original Manning. Um, so if you're if you're a Sam Darnold believer, like Carolina obviously are to some extent uh, because they traded for him, um, you're just hoping that if you put him in a nice system like Carolina have, the Joe Brady offense, which is kind of should in theory be quarterback friendly, that like uh, Joe Burrow had so 
much success at the college level using um, maybe this can turn around um, and there's a bit of hope there and they can obviously still probably draft a guy if they want to um, at the top of the first round if they're interested in getting someone like uh, uh, getting someone like Justin Fields for example um, mm. at least Carolina it kind of feels like they're just they're, they're trying things they're getting out there you know like this isn't fully certain then you go to Chicago and it's grim it's very grim because Andy Dalton you know they sent out a tweet saying our number one and they have a pretty low first round pick and the, the quarterbacks are planned to be going well off the board well before they get anyone and now you're, you're Chicago you're a team that's been treading water for multiple seasons um, and now and you've discovered a bitch titties and what's the future it's, it's Andy Dalton and you're kind of going oh god why I would you want to be a Chicago mo- fan I think it's the most the most perfect embracing of mediocrity I've ever seen they're just like yep that's who we are we are the Chicago Bears and our quarterback is Andy Dalton mm. uh, no further questions <laughs> and um, of course, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's even more grim of course because the, the, it officially came out that you know the Ryan Pace had had a meeting um, with, with, with Seattle to try and get uh, Russell Wilson and basically the Seahawks weren't really interested in trading him at all but they took the meeting I think they offered three first round picks and Seattle's like nah not yeah and a few man. starters I think as well yeah starters that they subsequently cut um, so um, yeah for Chicago you know pretty much every tweet uh, on Twitter if you clicked into it there was like Chicago fans like announce Russell Wilson Russ Russ please and now it's just like I don't know. I, I, it's just depressing in Chicago. It's just it's pretty grim. Whereas like Fitzmagic, he's going to Washington. He's fighting out fun there. Heineke, Kyle Allen. You know, like Fitzmagic, is he good? Are you going to win a load of games with him? Uh, I'm not necessarily sure about that. It could certainly happen because they have some decent weapons and you know they they showed their defense improved a lot last year. But at least he's fun to watch. At least he's exciting. Mm-hmm. At least he's like a really good dude who's easy to get behind. Um, so you know for Washington, I'm not sure they're that much better off than Chicago in terms of the talent. Uh, you know necessarily, but at least it'll happen in a fun way. Um, so and for a team that you know where it's useful to distract from the fact that their owners are complete bastard. Um, you know Fitzmagic is a good. Uh, way to wash that down the ambush rifle fits magic himself so you know yeah. that, that feels a little bit more positive there uh, no of course um running backs fullbacks uh loads of these off the board uh, Kenyon drake to vegas philip Lindsay to houston uh jabal williams detroit mike williams atlanta damian williams chicago after a release from kc um there's not a ton uh knocking around there's lev bell who didn't look overly impressive uh in his uh, stint with KC last year. Duke Johnson, who is, you know, basically what he is, backup. James Conner, who is the slowest running back in the league. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like there's not much there. Don't go hunting for value at running back anymore, I don't think. Uh, well, so yeah. It'll be value, you just won't get much production. No, nothing much happened. Aaron Jones went back to Green Bay. Chris Carson went back to Seattle. We kind of talked about Drake and Lindsay, like it's fine. And these guys aren't getting paid much. But uh, mm. hey, Michael Burton is now your fullback, you know, RIP Sausage. You yeah, Burton Sausage had to retire so he could become a, I think he's like a, like one of those like kind of deputized like local sheriffs. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, it seems so, fitting for him. If I'm a running back, I wouldn't expect the phone to ring until people have tried a chance at the draft. Basically. Yeah, some injuries maybe. Uh, wide receiver, tight ends. Uh, most of these have gone to New England, I think, at this point. But uh, 
Kenny Galladay to the Giants, uh, four year, seventy-two million. Will Fuller to Miami, one year, ten million, uh, which is an interesting one. Uh, big, big boom reward, uh, risk reward for Miami. Um, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith both to New England for a combined nearly ninety million dollars. Uh, Corey Davis to the Jets. Um, there's not a ton sitting out there. Again, you've got Zach Ertz is probably available via trade, but he was terrible last year. Antonio Brown who looked good at the tail end of it, but is a piece of shit in a mental case. So you don't want him on in your building. And uh, D.D. Westbrook is probably like the next normal person yeah. available. Or people like Alshon Jeffrey. Like it's, yeah, there's not yeah, much left here. Not a ton. Um, yeah. Like, Sean, how do you feel looking at this? Like, like would Galladay or Fuller, like I know Galladay would probably be a big step up from them, but like I would have thought, I would have thought if you're going to go off like, whatever it was, about $25 million two years on Aguilar, why wouldn't you just do a one-year $10 million with Fuller? Like, he gives See, you your this speed. Is the, this is the, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. You you look at who they picked up in the wide receiver department and how much they paid for someone like Aguilar, and then you realize that the other names that were out there at the time, I mean, you know, Galladay would have been great, but it looks like he went for the money because we don't know what he's doing at the Giants whatsoever. Fuller is... You know he is—he's inconsistent, I suppose. But he would have been interesting. Someone like Curtis Samuel could have been good as well. He's gone to Washington, so it's just to decide of all those names to go. Yeah, Nelson Aguilar, that guy who had half a good season three years ago. That guy, we'll go for him. Is uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand it. Um, it may make some more sense that they realized they couldn't get these guys, maybe, and decided that the tight end thing was the way to go mm. because they could flash some money on. on Two yeah. reasonably talented players, but I don't know. I don't really. The logic of it doesn't quite come together in terms of what the Pats needed a wide receiver and how much they paid for the players they did pick up in the end. Yeah, and like Galladay, like look, he's going like Danny Dimes. This is a big signal that they're like, okay, Danny, prove it. Basically, as he goes into his third year, as obviously they're coming towards the end of the rookie contract. Kenny Galladay, he's a great big play receiver. Uh, he can do the contested catches and all that. So they're saying, look. You know, throw it up, do your thing, uh, use your wheels a bit, see if you can make that leap, see if you can kind of do a Josh Allen type transformation. But uh, you know, I think based on what we've seen, I don't think anyone in this room is particularly optimistic about that. And like Will Fuller, he's suspended for the first game. We know there's issues with injuries and PEDs and stuff. But you know, I think Miami they could they don't need him to to necessarily break out for them to have a solid team. But him and Devontae Parker, if they're both you know, running at full speed, that could be a very exciting offense after, uh, you know, it not really fully clicking with Tua last year. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll move on then to the linemen. Uh, again, a lot of them gone here. Uh, the big names, obviously, Joe Tooney signs with KC, five-year, 80 million. Uh, they also picked up uh, Kyle Long as a backup kind of guard and Mike Remmers, so they're kind of uh, interesting strategy. We've now got five guards and no tackles, so uh, we're just we're just going to try some new formations going into the season. Um, <laughs> That's Andy Reid magic there. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Corey, <laughs> Corey Lindsay, the centers. Chargers have a five-year, sixty-two million. Um, then there are other ones. Uh, Matt Filer, he's gone to there as well. Kevin Zeitler, Baltimore have him for three years. Rodney Hudson. The center for Vegas. This is the weirdest thing about the getting rid of Hudson. Like he was being paid a good bit because they gave him a massive contract, but he was like one of the top centers. Um, they announced they were going to cut him, and then like about half a day later, it was like, oh, actually no, we'll, we'll trade him. 
and then they got like a third round pick for Arizona for him. It was very confusing. I don't really understand it. Um, Riley Reefs in, in in Cincinnati. Like, there's not a lot left out there. I've been keeping a close eye on this market specifically because I know the Chiefs are going to pick up a veteran as well as presumably draft first or second round uh, at this position. But it's like. Villanueva is there, Russell Okun is there, uh, and Lane uh, Taylor, if you want a guard on the inside. Like, like just to say, like I think Villanueva and Okun, for this late stage in free agency, I've seen worse offerings at the tackle position. But yeah, they both have their risks and they're maybe both more name than game. But like Dooney was a big investment. Obviously, we know Chiefs were going for Trent Williams. We talked about that earlier. But Mm. they ended up settling for what feels like settling for the backup prize of Joe Dooney to kind of come in there and and become the, the new... You know, hopefully star guard we've seen some of these new england players leave new england and not quite live up to their name but if you're if you're protecting patrick mahomes and you have andy reed you can't really ask for a better opportunity to to live up to your contract and then yeah the chargers i kind of feel like every few years they end up redoing their 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 offensive line and they're not really working out like russell kung is an actual example of that mm-hmm. um and they traded for trey turner and he didn't really work out um, but like you got the young guy Justin Herbert you have to protect him um, so you just got to keep swinging for that like if you have the quarterback you might as well just keep giving money out while they're on the rookie contract and Lindsley was really really good for, for Green Bay so hopefully he can have that relationship with a younger quarterback and Filer's just a solid um, kind of a swing kind of guy perhaps could be a starter as well was quite good with the Steelers but yeah uh, overall like yeah the Vegas were getting rid of offensive linemen at a quick pace but most other teams I think are still interested in, in improving this position if they can get away with it yeah uh, in terms of edge we have look a lot of people are off the board edge is always just in demand uh we discussed Danik and Gokwe there uh Bud Dupree Tennessee just gave him a lot of money five years 82 million uh Trey Hendrickson is now at Cincinnati uh Carl Lawson's now at the Jets uh Hassan Reddick's with Carolina there's there's in terms of who's left out there Jadavian Cloudy is still out there we've discussed him numerous times we're not sure what to make of him all the reports out there today are he's going in for a second meeting with the Browns and they're expecting that it's just it's just hammering out terms that he's going to be on the Browns next year so that leaves you with Olivia Vernon at defensive end or Melvin Ingram at outside linebacker I think the Chiefs had Ingram in for a chat at one point they're kicking the tires, I'd say. But like, yeah. I think these top five guys, they all got around 15 million a year, say 12 to, to 15 million a mm-hmm. year, maybe a little bit more in Bud Dupree. So they all got paid around the same amount. So they're not really noteworthy by themselves, but just to say that the defensive end market was pretty healthy. I think of these, perhaps the, the shakiest one is Trey Hendrickson to Cincinnati, especially mm-hmm. because they got rid of Carl Lawson. Hendrickson had a really, really good 2020. He had a load of sacks, but basically hasn't done anything before that. Um, but like, look, we've seen people like Shaq Barrett um, explode after doing well in their final year and stuff like that. So I think in this position, you kind of you have to pay a lot up front if you're going to do a five free agency. And none of these guys strike me as terrible deals. And I think next year yeah. when the cap starts going up again, you'll probably see stupid mega contracts and these all will probably look fairly reasonable at that point yeah uh, on the interior there's nothing much to report uh, everyone kind of coming in uh dalvin thompson is now at minnesota 22 million two years sheldon rankinson with the jets uh robertson harris with jacksonville Danico autry with tennessee uh jaron reed casey picked him up after a seattle cut one year five million i believe seattle asked him to 
restructure. He said no, and he was caught. Um, it's only Didn't interesting. Feel the love, apparently. Yeah, well, like the the the, the, only, the only the only real piece of interest on it is that obviously he signed a one year deal because he wants to get a bite at the free agency afterwards. Um, and he's returning back to he would have played uh, opposite Frank Clark. Uh, a good bit in Seattle previously, so they would know. No, it's a, a Casey is a great shop window with Frank Clark uh, <coughs> and Chris Jones alongside you and Jerron Reed. Um, Seattle fans kind of felt like he was a bit overpaid for what he was getting, but mm-hmm. he's a great cleanup guy, like being the good, like the second, third guy in the line who can just get the sacks. Um, I think the only hilarious thing to happen in the defensive li- interior defensive line thing was that <coughs> Michael Brockers got traded um, from oh, the Rams yes. to Detroit. Uh, after publicly stating that, uh, when Stafford got to Durant's like, oh, he's a major upgrade over Goff. He's way better. And now he's <laughs> back with Goff again. I'm playing with Goff so, again. That's a, it was a pretty funny situation. And look, there's not much left in, 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 in a free agency either still. Like you have Kwan Short, Geno Atkins. Um, these are just reclamation projects. See if they have anything left in the tank. And then Daquan Jones is like a solid defensive tackle. But uh, yeah, not, nothing too exciting happening at this position. We didn't really expect it based on the guys who were available, to be honest. Yeah, uh, your coverage linebackers and your box safeties, uh, again, look, as, as is always today, all the good ones are gone, or at least the, the top ones are. Uh, John Johnson went to Cleveland for three years, $33.75 million. Uh, they also had a Troy Hill, so they're kind of doing a lot of work on that side of the ball. Uh, uh, Brendrick McKinley is in Miami after a trade with Shaq Lawson and a pick swap. Uh, Keanu Neal in Dallas, Denzel Perryman in Carolina, Eric Woodston in Philly. Uh, one thing that I was noting with a lot of these, with the exception of um, John Johnson, these are very short-term and very cheap contracts for the most part. And I know these are a bit older for the for a lot of them, but uh, but it's still like five million for Keanu Neal. I would have thought he would have gotten more than that personally. Uh, well, he's had a lot of injuries recently, and like to be honest, there's very little juice at this position. Like mm. Bernardrick McKinney was traded for by Miami, but that involved a fairly, you know, they got Shaq Lawson back, who's a solid defensive end, but not spectacular, and a bit of a pick swap. So, like John Johnson was the only one here that I would rate at all. And like Cleveland, you can kind of tell they weren't too busy in free agency. They obviously went to the playoffs, and they're obviously saving that money up for the big contracts that they need to uh, continue giving out. Baker Mayfield obviously is the obvious one coming up soon um so this position is just kind of very devalued in the nfl right now similar to the running back position but john johnson kind of shows the near upper end which is like about, about 10 million a year 11 million a year not really mm. that big compared to some of these other positions everyone else is like in a three to five like so, yeah like these are these are just all no juice names like Denzel Perryman's a two down linebacker Eric Wilson's a young guy hasn't really shown it Keanu Neal obviously a former first round pick not really much there um, but like uh, if you want a linebacker there's some guys out there who are fine like KJ Wright he's old but he's very good um, at least he can be very good BJ Goodson Deshaun Gibson so like I think it's just a position once again if you get to the draft and you have to find the guy that you're, you want to invest in then pick up a solid vet and you know it probably won't make that big of a difference to your defense yeah and uh, this was second to the last our coverage defensive backs as your cornerbacks and some of your safeties uh, this one had a lot more people in it of note uh, Shaq Griffin's down in Jacksonville 3 years 40 million uh, William Jackson uh, Washington 3 years 42 million Dory Jackson New York Jets 3 years 39 million after getting cut from Tennessee Kyle Fuller uh, surprise cut from beforehand is now in Denver one year 9.5 million uh, Denver also signed Ronald Darby to a three-year 30 million uh, contract and Pat 
Peterson, who's finally made it out of uh, Arizona, made it to Minnesota for a one-year, $10 million contract. He probably hitting the free agency a little bit too late there after a somewhat down season by comparison. Uh, other ones of notice was Anthony Harrison, Malcolm Butler as well. Uh, but yeah, these are decent-sized contracts. There's a lot of juice around this, and it's interesting. It seems to be a lot of teams, and I always find this happens, a lot of the teams who are the the worse off of the teams roster wise, they tend to think that the, the the biggish name corner can really make a huge difference to their game, uh, to their defensive side of the ball. So you see your Jacksonvilles and your Giants stuff coming in here. Yeah, I mean it's it's explosive plays is what you kind of want. I think well, yeah, cornerbacks are kind of known for their explosive. I mean, there's two types: there's the explosive play cornerback, and then there's the guy who does his job quietly and doesn't get any catches against him and um, mm-hmm. I mean yeah it's it's I mean it's interesting in the sense that Jacksonville have kind of put their money on Shaq Griffin I as I said in the last part I was looking at him a little bit because there were some rumors that the Pats might go for him mm-hmm. it ends up I think most likely we're going to re-sign Gilmore um, although we have to give him a lot of money to, to keep him happy um, I think um, or to extend him rather than re-sign him I suppose is the correct thing so um, he was one I was I was looking at for. It's interesting going for Jacksonville. Their defense has some good parts to it, but also doesn't really work all that well uh, at times. So it's interesting to see he might be part of the the, the rebuilding project. Uh, and there, um, the, the the yeah, it's there. There's some there's some. I mean, you're obviously getting paid a lot more money, but I I do wonder if there are overvalued because of that explosiveness that it is kind of. The, the big plays tend to be um, at cornerbacks uh, and safety, and maybe there isn't enough focus on fundamentals in, in terms of stats lines uh, and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, like uh, I think, you know, Shaq Griffin and William Jackson were the two coming in that we knew were going to be free agents. They both got pretty solid contracts. I feel like, you know, next year they probably would have got ridiculous money, but given the current cap situation, it didn't get too out of control. Like, I think both are good, solid, young corners. And I don't think these are, are, are terrible contracts. I don't know whether they are true CB ones so you can build your defense around, but uh, like they, they can't. I think they'd be worse CB twos for this, these teams going forward. And yeah, Dory Jackson and Kyle Fuller, both of those were cut by their respective teams, and have both got uh, you know Dory Jackson got a surprisingly high contract. I kind of felt he kind of had a bad year in Tennessee. He's an undersized yeah. cornerback, but. Obviously, you know, someone likes his tape or they like what they saw out of him in college as well. And Kyle Fuller to Denver along with Ronald Darby. Um, I think the things you said about Denver, it kind of just feels like it doesn't really matter what Denver do until we see what they do at quarterback, everything else. Like sure, like Kyle Fuller obviously has experience um, with their head coach because obviously he was the defensive coordinator in Chicago. Um, but um, I, I don't really feel it makes them that much better necessarily. And Pat Peterson, look, he's old and he's not as good. Uh, but Minnesota were willing to give him a pretty... A pretty decent one-year prove-it deal. What's and funny is, like, I remember, I think it was the start of last season that there was calls for, like, oh, people should just, like, just just give uh, Arizona a first-round pick and just take Pat Peterson off the hands. Like, he's being wasted. And you're like, like, this is why you don't do that. Because you can tell by last season he was starting to get a bit too cooked. Like, he wasn't. He would have, if he was out two years ago, that would be probably twice that figure he'd be making. Yeah, and like look, like you see, like you see what Arizona did. They they got Malcolm Butler for four million less, who was a bit more upside. Like his age isn't too bad, and you're kind of going like, is that a swap I'd make? And I'm like, probably. Like 
especially because they're a team that like contract issues are become more relevant uh, going forward uh, say if they pay their quarterback and look there, there's some okay guy like Brian Poole's a solid slot guy still out there Casey Heward's a, a veteran reclamation like we saw Jason Verrett was pretty solid last year for example in a similar case and Malik Hooker's a reclamation project of safety but uh, I, I actually the coverage safeties did pretty badly Anthony Harris is probably the most well known and only got a five million one year contract but uh, the cornerbacks still are getting decent pay even even given the market conditions that were uh, existing in this particular free agency and finally it's for special teamers um, yeah the Matt biggest potato <laughs> yeah like Matt Prater's there there's like all the only ones really to mention are just the ones that are still out there if you're looking for a kicker there's a lot of kickers doing the rounds uh Stephen Gaskowski's about say Gonzalez and Dad Bailey would be names you'd recognize and they're still knocking around um uh, don't yeah. be like that Connor Randy Bullock's going to Detroit Oh, yeah, but no. he's not. But he's not available. He's going to Detroit. Yeah, but it, it, it's Motor City, you know. Like let's let's go, Randy Bullock. Yeah, true. <laughs> it is. It, it is by a distance the best name I think of yeah. any of the special teamers. Though the punters have some pretty good names like Brian Anger, Matt Hack, uh, Cameron yeah. Johnson, not so much. Uh, Brian Anger, well. the uh, the best Metallica album. Yes, I believe most <laughs> famous for being picked above Russell Wilson. I think is uh, his biggest claim ah. to fame. Very good. <laughs> uh, rightly so, some would say. He's not but Mr. Yeah. Unlimited. But yeah, I think like a lot of the juice was taken out through the tags and some of the guys getting re-signed. But I think at quarterback, you have a number of moves that will be significant, but perhaps not in a very exciting way. Um, uh, but yeah, New England, that's a really interesting project to keep an eye on, especially because they have plenty of draft capital as well. Vegas turning in circles and Houston... Hey, they're they're desperate. They're taking anyone, and uh, we'll see if they can make anything of it. Um, and you know, most of the other guys, there's not too much going on. Um, I think Arizona had like a lot of veterans, for example, but I'm not too pushed on that. And yeah, I think if free agency it ended up being a bit of a damn squib. I'll be honest. Even given you know the cap space, you thought maybe some guys would get cut, but like the top one was like Dory Jackson, Kyle Fuller. These aren't really guys that to me excite me and make me go, "Oh, this is amazing free agency period." Yeah, like if I we were looking the first at it now, few days were reasonably exciting, and then yeah, I suppose because I used to not having to care too much about it because the Pats don't usually play it so much in the market. So I was I was having the the year maybe that other teams have always had of, of watching everything, but um, I enjoyed yeah. it. Like I suppose we probably we could probably assume that if we're going to say uh, if we have winners and losers, it's probably coming from that top group. Like, yeah, yeah like. I because I tell you, I'm not, I'm not sure who comes out a winner in this. Like, I'm not sure who is, I'm not sure who I look at and I objectively go, they are a better team now than they were a month ago. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's intriguing prospects coming out of it, but no, nothing goes. This team, mm. this is a great signing, and this is the, the future of this, of this franchise. Like the winners um, and were even probably places like, and even places like, like Galladay going to the Giants. You're like, I don't really know what the logic there is, but there may be some logic at the end point. So. Yeah. Like that, like be honest, honestly, those were the kind of ones I was looking at, kind of going, well, they've added someone, and I don't think they've lost too much. So, like, like adding Galladay is probably a bigger get than what I can think off the top of my head that they've lost. But like, mm. yeah, like it's hard to because like, like probably some of the better ones might be uh, 49ers did pretty well because they got the best tackle that was going to be available, and they've you know kept their full back and they've done a few bits and pieces that make sense, but. The, the problem is that it's very hard to detach that from they are well aware that they are not in a position to succeed with Jimmy G at the moment and they are clearly moving around like the bigger move is their is their um 
is their draft move, which obviously we'll be discussing very soon. But yeah, it's hard. It's hard to look at free agency on its own. Uh, but it is, it is quite clear yeah. to see that Houston and Vegas have I, made a balls of it. Like, well, I, think he, I don't think he's made a balls, but they're just they're just the, a big pile of balls, and they've added more balls to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got my intro for yeah, this week's episode. Uh, <laughs> Like I, I think uh, like yeah, like a Ke- Kenny Galladay feels like a move of a team that's poised and basically waiting to see whether they have an actual quarterback. Uh, but yeah, overall there just wasn't any team that kind of went all out. And in retrospect, you kind of go, oh, that that kind of made sense. With New England, they kind of felt early on like they were winning. But when you look at the contracts, especially to the wide receivers and what they could have got some guys for, mm. it kind of felt a little bit anticlimactic. Overall, I still think they won. I think they're still a better, much better team. They than are. They yeah. Were. But you know, maybe there's a sense that they overpaid a bit. But like calf space is overrated. They had a bunch of it anyway. They don't really have any young players that they have to pay over the next couple no. of years, like a quarterback. So And they've me, got what, like eight returning starters who opted out yeah. last year. So like so, New England are significantly better off than they were at the end of the season last year. Uh, yeah, except that Cam Newton is still yeah. their quarterback. They did the problem is they have to compare themselves to, you know, a team that's won, you know, six Super Bowl rings over the last twenty years. So. Yeah. And that the quarterback <laughs> who just left them had just won the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's kind of <laughs> annoying. They won, but you know you know, hooray. <laughs> There's no yeah. great hope team like a Cleveland or a Jacksonville or somewhere you're like, Oh yeah, mm. these guys are going all the way, but New England just kinda of feels like uh yeah, maybe that'll work. It's Bill Belichick, but it's like mm. even if they do manage to make it, it's not going to be like a huge underdog story. It's going to be like, oh crap, they're back. <laughs> what do you think the chance of like? So, well, we'll our, our next episode is going to be our draft one, and we'll we'll get into all of the stuff in depth then. But like, if they are really bent on Mac Jones, like the 49ers would now have two things that they would want: either the pick that they could definitely take Mac Jones at, or Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I'm kind of half expecting there's going to be something that's going to happen between those two teams, either a trade of a pick or a trade of a player. I feel the Pats re-signing Cam is a, is a indication that they're trying to make that system work somehow. Um, so I, I think it, I think the re-signing of Cam took Jimmy G off the table and in far, far as I can, I can't understand why they would do one and then not, do one instead of the other. Like I think it was an either-or situation. I think it was a, a willingness to accept that it wasn't going to happen. So, I mm. yeah, I don't know the the with the quarterback situation, the draft being all over the place. I don't think any team except for maybe the the top two or three teams really know who they're going to get at this point. Mm. So some of the the tr- trades and quarterbacks and, and signings could be, but well, we don't think we can get much better given what's out there in the draft. So let's just take what we can get. Yeah, because we're going to have some fun now. Our, our episode next week is going to be our draft preview where we do a, uh, a, a mock-up of what we think the first round will be and then we have a combined one that uh, always ends up probably a little bit better off at actually picking <laughs> it than we are at picking it. Uh, but hey, I think it's like, oh, they got three things right instead of two. <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, I think I've I think I've won the last couple of years. Uh, uh, I think you just won about, me and you, yeah. You I, think I, I think I beat the machine last time. Uh, yeah. But I was I was on the virtue of again. I think it's that I made one one or two completely correct guesses versus them. But yeah, anyway. I need to start digging into my tape now and and get myself ready. But yeah, next week we'll be doing our uh, draft preview and discussion of the prospects and the uh, expected uh, who's going to take who kind of stuff. So that should be fun. Um, so fire in any questions you have around that, I suppose, on the Twitter and the Facebook and everything. But I suppose for now uh, we will be wrapping up. Any plans for the rest of the week uh, slash weekend, lads? 
Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to being allowed more than five kilometers from my house. That's going to be an interesting experience. Uh, Excellent. Technically, technically, given where I were living right now, we're not actually not allowed inside Cork City because we're more than five kilometers away from the city center. Ah. Uh, now we are, so, but there's nothing to see or, or do, but it's nice to <laughs> know the options there. Very good. I just got a text message to say my dad's getting his first vaccine on Wednesday morning. Happy days! Hey, oh, excellent. Uh, and obviously we've got the obviously got the wedding then on on Saturday, so it'll be that'll be fun. Uh, well, what are yourself, Fitzy? There's nothing happening in my life, so I think we should end on the positive notes in your life. At the <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So I suppose bye for myself. Bye from Fitz. Bye. Bye from Sean. Bye. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week. <laughs>